All right. Thank you all uh, for being here. I want to welcome you again to RUF. My name is Jason Sterling, and I'm the campus minister. And I want to say this again because it really is true. Our prayer, and we say it every week, is we long for this to be a place, uh, no matter where you find yourself, whether you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember, and you don't remember a time when you didn't believe. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're unconvinced of Christianity, you're skeptical. Uh, And if that's the case, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, We really want this to be a place where you have the space to figure out what you believe about Jesus and what you believe about the Bible. Also, I realize that at the beginning of every school year, uh, many people are coming to RUF, Reform University Fellowship, for the very first time. And a lot of people that come to RUF for the first time They have never been to an RUF meeting and then kind of grow up around it. And the music seems a little bit different, okay? And you might even say a bit strange. That's okay. That's totally uh, normal for people to maybe experience that at the beginning. But there is a reason why we sing the songs that we do. Uh, We... We believe that God's writing great, uh, using people to write great modern songs today and contemporary praise music, absolutely. But one of the things we do in RUF is we take old hymns written hundreds and hundreds of years ago and we put them to new tunes and new music. Now, why do we do that? Well, because Christianity is an ancient faith, okay? And so... We sing these songs because there are people that have been singing about Jesus and the faith for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so in a sense, it reminds us that we're not crazy. Uh, That we bring those songs, those old hymns, and make them relevant for us in 2015. But also, we do it because Jesus tells us to worship in spirit and in truth. And so as we sing these songs, these hymns... They do a few things. They actually talk about and show us the reality of who God is. They also, if you have noticed, particularly with some of the songs we sing tonight, they show us the reality of who the Bible says we are. And not only that, we believe they capture really what it feels like to love and try to follow Jesus in a broken and sinful world. And so that's some of the reason kind of why we are doing what we are doing uh, with our music. Uh, and, and what's interesting is when you talk to alumni, people that come through RUF, the thing they miss the most is the music. And so if you're new to RUF and these songs are new to you, we invite you to jump in with us to read the words. And our prayer is, is that you will grow to love them as well. If you have your Bible... Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, you can look on your announcement sheet, or you can look on with a friend if they have a Bible, or on their phone. But this semester, we are going to do something a little different. Normally, in RUF, we go straight through books of the Bible, and we pretty much take large chunks and we rotate between Old Testament and New Testament. In the spring, we did the book of Judges. And then once every four years, we do a topical series. And we do it on the topic of relationships. And so that's what we're actually going to be doing this semester 
in large group. We're going to be we're going to cover the gamut. We're going to talk about things like singleness and sex and marriage and friendship and dating and uh, why our relationships are so hard and so messy. We're going to talk about shame, uh, all kinds of topics under this big umbrella of relationships. And we're going to pick from different passages in the Bible and bring them together in order to deal with this huge topic of relationships. So why do we do that? Well, first and foremost, it's all you think about, if you're honest. You think about relationships. You're college students. We believe in RUF that there's no more prominent issue in that 18 to 22-year-old range than this topic of relationships. But that's not the only reason. The other reason we're talking about it is because no one is neutral on their view of relationships. You are being affected. Everybody in this room in some way, shape, or form has someone or something that is pressing in on you trying to shape your view of relationships. We get it from the outside, the culture, and the media, but we also, uh, inside of us, Our own insecurities and fears often shape the way we think about relationships. And so this semester, we don't want to be shaped by the outside nor the inside, but as Christians, we want to be shaped by the Bible. We believe that in all of life, we are to come under God's Word and let it inform how we are to think about life in this semester about relationships. And before we kind of dig into our series, uh, let me just say this on the front end. I've been doing this for 11 years, okay? This is my 11th year in campus ministry. I talk about relationships a lot, okay? And I've had lots of people over my 11 years pour into me, other campus ministers and pastors and you all, and really have helped shape my thinking about this topic of relationship, Currently, there are campus ministers all over the country and RUF that are doing this same series. Uh, And so we share notes, we share ideas, we share thoughts. And I say all that to say is probably nothing is original to me that I will say to you. And I just want you to know that, that uh, I have been poured into. And so a lot of what I've learned is just going to come out of me. And so lots of people get credit uh, for this this series and the way I think about these issues. So I wanted to say that. On the front end. Before we dig into our passage, uh, let me pray because if we're going to cover this topic this semester, we need a lot of help. So let's pray. Father, we come tonight in a room this size from lots of different places on this topic. Some of us are extremely fearful to even approach this topic. We've been hurt, we've been wounded, we've been abused, we've been burned. Uh, We've seen very poor models in our own family about what it looks like to be in relationship with people. Others of us are on the very other end of the spectrum and that uh, we have actually, we love relationships too much and we actually have made an idol out of the relationships that we're in. Would you come through your spirit and uncover our hearts On the one hand, would you dismantle our idols that we have of marriage and relationships and perfect relationships, but would you also remove the fear and hostility? Lord, some of us are afraid, and we need courage because uh, we need to hear from you on this topic, and some of us need courage to actually move forward with what we're hearing uh, 
and actually change and be led to repentance. Be gracious. Teach us this semester by your Spirit and teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In the 1940s, there was a psychologist by the name of Renee Spitz, S-P-I-T-Z. And she did this study, basically, on the centrality of relationships. And so what she did was go to this orphanage in South America, and while she was there, she observed and recorded what happened with 97 children who were deprived emotionally and deprived of physical contact with other people. This wasn't intentional. The orphanage just... There was too many children and not enough uh, caregivers to take care of, of these children. And they weren't, not, they weren't staffed adequately. The children ranged from three months in age to three years old. And the nurses, of course, took care of their primary needs. They bathed them and they changed their diapers and they fed them. But what they did not do was hold them and cuddle them and talk to them and do the things that a mother would do because they simply didn't have the time. Three months in, Renee Spitz began to, to see that they were showing signs of abnormality. Loss of appetite. They weren't sleeping very well. She says as that when she would look at the children laying in the crib... It was just eyes glazed over. It was like looking into an empty shell. Five months later, even more serious deterioration was sitting in. She said now the children were whimpering. And she said they had these troubled and twisted faces. And when the doctors and nurses would grab them in order to hold them, they would scream out in absolute terror. After one year... 27 of the children, that's a third, 27 of the children died. Not from lack of food, not from lack of water, but they died from lack of touch and emotional connection and nurture. After year two, seven more children died. By the end, only 27 of the 97 children actually survived. And she said most of them suffered from severe psychological damage. You see, Renee Spitz uncovered something that is right at the heart of Christianity in the Bible. And what she uncovered is that relationships are never simply an aspect of a person's life. But relationships and relational connection goes right to the center of a human being. Relationships are vital and central to your existence as a person. That's the main idea that we're going to look at tonight. And my prayer is is that as we look at the very beginning of the Bible, the first pages of the Bible, my prayer is that God would remind us tonight of who we are and that it would strike such a chord deep within us that we would change and begin to think about our relationships and the people around us in a very new and different way. Tonight, two things. 
You can see an outline printed for you. Created for relationships. And lastly, created for purpose. Let's look at number one. Created for relationships. Look at verse, I'm sorry, chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 26. Let us make man in our image. Think about that just for a second. Let us make man in our image. This is God talking. And what do you find interesting about that statement? God, right from the beginning of the Bible, is referring to Himself not in the singular, but actually in the plural. He says us and our, our. (laughs) Sorry, that didn't come out right. He says us. He refers to Himself in the plural. From the very beginning of the Bible, we learn that the Christian God exists in community. And it's what Christians have referred to commonly, and you might be familiar with this term, as the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those, are, those relationships, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are in such harmony with one another that for thousands of years, Christians have said God and referred to Him as one God, three persons. There is no greater picture of community, no greater picture of love and relationship than the one we see in God Himself in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no arguing. There is no jealousy. There is no hurt feelings. So what's the point? Well, if you are a human being, okay, out of all the things that God created in the world, there's only one thing in His image, and that is you. And He says that He created you in His image, and if God, at the very core, is community and relational, that means that community and relationships as someone created in the image of God is at the very core of what it means to be human. Friends, you are formatted and hardwired for relationships and community. It's how you were made. It's how you reflect the image of God. It's part of your DNA. And that is why Love in relationships is such an incredibly big deal to you. It's why if you think about it, think about your best memories in your life, and when you reflect on those memories, almost always they involve times of what? Relationships with people who you love and who also love you. But on the reverse, it's also why breakups cut to the core of who you are. And instead of feeling like a momentary setback, oftentimes breakups feel like you're coming apart on the inside. It's why in a few weeks, girls, as you're going through recruitment, at the very best, you will be filled with anxiety and fear and stress and worry. But at your worst, you will be completely devastated because you will not get in to the sorority of your choice. And the reason why you are completely devastated is because it goes right to the core of who you are as a person and you feel rejected. And that's why it cuts and hurts so deeply. 
You see, love and relationships are the reason for the highest highs and the lowest lows and most painful moments in our lives. Why? Because love and relationships get right at the heart of ultimate reality. So what does that mean for you as you sit here tonight? It means lots of things that we could apply and ways that we could make application to this. We don't have time for that. I'm going to mention two. And the first one is this. You can stop feeling guilty about wanting to date and get married. Seriously. It's not necessarily a sign of insecurity or a lack of spirituality that you want to get married and date someone. There is nothing, and I don't know where we got this, but there's nothing super spiritual about people that choose not to marry and choose not to date. In fact, it could actually reflect immaturity. It also means, secondly, by way of application, that the real action in the Christian life is not found alone with your Bible just you and God having a quiet time. Now, is that important? Yes, absolutely. We want to read our Bibles and study our Bibles. I get that, okay? But hear me out. Somewhere along the way, we have made, like, alone, me and Jesus, the barometer on your Christian maturity I don't know where that came from. I think maybe because it's way more controllable and measurable. But if you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it is actually about relationships. It's about a group of people that the Bible calls the church, the people that believe in Jesus, moving forward in the world. They're in relationship Yes. Okay. Two cars about to get towed. Mississippi. Plate, Lauderdale, LBW980. LBW980. There's another car, another Lauderdale plate, LBW980. No, it's the same one. Here it is. Hines, Mississippi. As an, it's an Acura HQZ781. Basically, if you parked over there where like, the service trucks are. If you parked where the service trucks are, and that sounds remotely familiar, we don't want you to get towed. Okay? All right, let's bring it back in. Okay. That was actually a welcomed uh, interruption. I was thinking like somebody's badly hurt or something. So... Go check on your cars. Let me pick back up. The second point of application is this. And this is important, okay? Because we often get this backwards. The Bible talks about people that are in relationship with God and in relationship with one another moving forward together in the world. And so here it is. You want to grow this semester. You want to grow and change something about yourself this semester. That ordinarily is not going to happen with, when you're away from people alone by yourself reading your Bible. That happens in community. 
Because we need each other. You're relational beings. That happens when we get around people and get around the Bible. If you're here tonight and maybe you're skeptical of Christianity and you're trying to figure out what Christianity is, get around the Bible and get around the community. Come to things like RUF on Wednesday nights because community and the Bible are right at the heart of what Christianity is all about. Second point, not only are we created for relationships, but we're also created for purpose. Look at chapter 1, verse 28. Then look at chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. And in chapter 2, you see God looks and creates human beings. He creates Adam. And here's what's interesting. He then says, it's not good that Adam is alone. I want to let that force of that statement hit you just for a second. Okay, think about this with me. Chapter 3 of Genesis is when sin enters the world. This is in chapter 2. So this is paradise. Things are perfect. Things are good. God's created the world and He's looking at all these things and saying, this is things I've created and it's great. And then He looks at Adam and the fact that he's alone and says, it's not good. Why? Did God forget something? (laughs) Did God suddenly change His mind? Did something slip His mind? Of course not. God here is wanting Adam to feel and to know that he was never made to go through life alone. That he was made to be in relationships with people. And so what does he do? If you look at the passage, it says God makes a helper fit for him. That's a very interesting way to phrase uh, that there, the word helper. What, why that term? Well, this is a whole nother sermon. We're not going to go into this now, but let me just say this. This has nothing to do with equality and dignity. Okay? God created male and female. They're both equal. They're both uh, valuable, and they both have great dignity. So that's not what he's talking about. It's more of a role of function. So think about it this way. The only reason why God would call another person, Eve, to be a helper is if together they would accomplish something better than if they were alone. Did you hear that? The only reason why He would call another person a helper is if together they would accomplish something better than if they were alone. So here's the point. Track with me. This is very significant as you think about your relationships. Eve was never intended to be the end-all, be-all, the goal, the purpose of Adam's life. And vice versa, Adam was never meant to be the goal of Eve's life. God is saying that the purpose of their relationship we see it in these two chapters very clearly, is to move forward in the world and to build the kingdom of God. To move forward in the, in the world and spread the name of Jesus so that every nation, tribe, and tongue worships Christ. In other words, to bring the reign and rule that's in heaven of God, to bring it down and make it a reality on the earth and push back the effects of sin and evil into the world and bring the kingdom of God. 
And that is why all of these instructions you see about being fruitful and multiplying and cultivating the land and taking care of the garden, that's what it's talking about. And so do you want purpose in your relationships but in your life individually? You've got it. God's given it to you right here at the beginning and that is to be a worker in God's kingdom. But what does this have to do with you sitting here tonight and you're a sophomore or whatever grade you're in and you find yourself in a dating relationship? It has everything to do with you. Because so many of the relationships that I've seen, and not only dating relationships, but friendships, over the years of doing campus ministry, the problems start right here. When the girl or guy look at the person that they're in relationship with, and they're like, that's my life. That's the point of my life. They are my purpose in life. And that problem, the problem there, is what I call an ends-means issue. Friends, marriage is not the goal of your life. Being in a dating relationship is not the goal of your life. The purpose of coming to Ole Miss is not so that you could have a ring by spring. (laughs) The purpose of coming to Ole Miss is not so that you would fall madly in love with someone and find the love of your life and live happily ever after. And we think that. We think like, if I can just get married, life would work. If I could just get married, I'd finally be happy and I would finally have arrived at my purpose in the world. No. Marriage and friendship and dating are not the end. The end, according to the Bible, is the kingdom of God being built up in the world. And when you make the other person you're in relationship with the end, it will kill your relationships. It will suffocate your relationships and suck the life out of them. Because if you are looking to the other person that you're in relationship with, or friendship, or dating, or marriage, or whatever it is, and you look to them as your sole purpose and to your point in life, you are putting too much weight on them, a weight that they were never meant to bear. Because that's not what they're called to be. They're not called to be your identity. And they're not called to be your purpose in this life. And honestly, that's why some of you panic and come apart when He doesn't call you every day. And it's why some of you, if you're really honest, if you're a senior and you wouldn't say this out loud and you might play it off by laughing, but secretly, you're really struggling because you're thinking, I'm not really dating anybody. I don't have any prospects. And I'm really sad about that. Friends, the purpose of all of our relationships is that the kingdom of God would come into this world and we would make Christ known. Is that your purpose? If you're dating someone, is the person you're dating, do they care at all about Christ and His kingdom? If not, that should throw up a huge red flag for you. Why? Because the purpose of your relationship is to lock arms and to move forward in the world 
with the gospel. See, we've talked a lot, and we're going to talk a lot about horizontal, this, these relationships. But the truth is, is that unless our vertical relationship with God is right, then our horizontal relationships will never be right. There's a Presbyterian pastor in the 19th century who had a daughter, and she was getting married. She was five days away from her wedding day, and she came down with a severe fever. And back then, fevers were a really big deal, and they could you know, eventually lead to death. Well, five days later, on her wedding day, she dies. People obviously couldn't get the word uh, that, um, that she had passed away, and so people arrive expecting a wedding, and instead, they're come, coming to a funeral. And when you hear a story like that, it's like a punch in the gut, isn't it? I mean, that's just like, is there anything worse than, than that? And it's so sad. But I want you to think about this just for a second as we close. If your purpose and her purpose was to be married, yes, it's sad. Because her purpose in this life was not fulfilled. But listen to this. At her funeral, her dad stands up in front of those that are there. And he talks about how days and hours before she dies, how excited she was to see Jesus. She talked about how excited his daughter was that she was going to be the first person in the family to see Jesus face to face. And she was so excited that she was buried that day in her wedding dress. And to this day, in South Carolina, her tombstone reads, Here lies a bride adorned for her husband. Friends, the only way your relationships will ever really take off and be all that you dreamed that, we, that they would be and really thrive is if you love Jesus more than anything else, more than your spouse, and even more than your desire to be married. And you think about that and you're like, how in the world is that possible? That seems so crazy. How is something like that possible? Well, that's what we're actually going to talk about all semester. But in sum, the only way you will ever love Jesus more than anything else in your life is if you remember and see first how much He deeply loves you. The only way you'll be able to do that is if you see that Jesus... God took on the form of flesh and came out of heaven into this world. Why did He do it? To marry you. To marry you. And the Gospel says that when Jesus marries us, that we are so united to Him that all of our sin and shame and brokenness actually gets placed on Him and He bears it. And all of His beauty and all of His righteousness and wholeness and love and goodness gets placed on us so that we are made right with God.
What if all this is really true? What if in your that what if relationships and community is really central to who you are? And that's what the Bible says, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, whatever, as a human being, relationships go right to the center of who you are because you are created in God's image. If that is really true, don't you think it would be worth your time to come with us on Wednesday nights and see what God has to say about it? That's an invitation. I hope you'll come back next week and we'll continue our study. Let's pray.